Good morning, friends. I know it's been a long time since the last podcast. So much has been going on, and I'm dying to tell you all about it. About three weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking at a youth camp with my friend, Pastor Hassan uh, from CLA. And it was awesome just to see young people dedicate their lives to Christ. In fact, one of the nights while I was speaking on purity, I think about six to eight young people showed their hands up wanting to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I can promise you that almost the entire group stood up to say, I want to dedicate my life to the Lord for purity. And it was just amazing to see young people make a decision to live for God in honor of Him and for his glory. This past weekend, we had about 50 youth leaders from about four to from about five churches around Chigali just come around and uh, get equipped to reach their teenagers. And our slogan, our theme, our motto is everything, everywhere in Rwanda, hearing the gospel from a friend. And we want to see every ministry in Rwanda that is conducting a youth ministry able to have gospel conversations on a weekly basis to reach the young people of Rwanda. Did you know that almost 50% of the population of Rwanda is youth. I mean, there's billions of teenagers in this world, but it's amazing to find that half of Africa is young and we want to reach them with the gospel. Keep praying that the things we talked about, the strategies that we laid out will come to pass. And in three months, we're going to have a follow-up Leave the Cause event, again, happening in Kigali, just to evaluate the plans, to evaluate the strategies that we've put in place and see what are we going to strengthen, what are things that are going to be working as we reach the young people of Rwanda. Keep praying for that. And uh, well, right now, I'd like us to just keep digging to God's word and we're going to start a new series with First John. I pray that you will be blessed. And then later on, I'll be sharing with you different episodes from my friend Chris Stout as we are speaking at camp. I know and I pray that you shall be blessed. Stay tuned. For the last 15 years, I've been a part of uh, a fellowship, what we call in this church, care groups. And uh, in this care group, I was invited by my sister when I was in high school and I uh, was given an opportunity to teach. That was a, where I learned how to teach from God's Word. It's where I learned how to play guitar in that particular fellowship. And I remember in that fellowship, they prayed for my final exams at uh, campus. Actually, I started from senior six. Senior six, you know when you're in senior six work? They prayed for my final exams. They prayed when I was looking for a spot at UCU. When I was graduating, they were praying. When we were getting married a year later, they were still doing what? I still remember presenting those prayer requests in that care group. Our first child, they were doing what? They were praying. Our second child, they were doing what? They were praying. When God called us to ministry, they were what? They were praying. In fact, one of my very first financial supporters in ministry was from that particular fellowship. Why am I sharing these things with you? We're going to be talking about fellowship today and what it means to fellowship together as a set of believers. But number two, how do we do that? Because this past Thursday, when I went for that care group, I realized something was a bit different, was a bit off. Something was not right. Number one, the problem wasn't the numbers because we showed up in big numbers. In fact, uh, two people showed up who were praying for. One had, uh, had a, was involved in a car accident earlier on in the year, and we thought this guy wouldn't make it. And that day he came, in fact, he came driving. Shockingly driving. The other was another gentleman, his name is Alex, who was kidnapped about two weeks ago uh, by, by thieves. He was uh, dozed off, what do they call it? Chloroform. 
by border guy, by the, he told us, this is now way off the script, but he told us how they do it, the police told him how they do it, they sit you back, the border guy sits you at the back, and uh, they put a chloroform at the back of their jacket. So when he's driving, riding, the wind blows and it's blowing towards you for you to do what? To fall asleep. And when he realizes you begin to stagger, what does he do? He holds you and he slows down, then another person comes and joins the what? The border to hold you and they will take you wherever they want to take you. They will rob you and they dropped him in a swamp where he spent 24 hours unconscious. And that guy showed up. But what was unique about this care group this time? There was a cloud of, uh, of sadness. Not because of the kidnap. Of course, we are celebrating this guy who has, who has kidnapped. is now back. The one who was involved in the accident was now back. And there was another set of all new faces who had come to fellowship with us. But Gonzaga, who you know, was uh, teaching on... Uh, we had been covering a series on relationships. Because majority are young people, majority are single young people, who some are married, are getting married, and, uh, but majority are young. But we had reached a part where we were talking about sexual purity. And the man asked, maybe out of lack of how to guide the discussion, he says, you know, the general group discussions, so what comes to your mind when we talk about purity? And there was silence. But the silence was unique because the silence was the silence of heads bowed down on the floor and no one wants to look at each other. And the more I remember that scene, I remember a group of people who are struggling with this particular concept of sin. And yet that particular care group, when we are out taking tea on the veranda, everyone is laughing. We are joking. In fact, uh, Gonzaga, we took a picture of him sitting. You know how you sit, how these teachers also sit at the Baganda, they sit nicely on the floor, Dosimba Mukono, that kind, and that's how he was sitting, and everyone is laughing about it. But when we talked about this topic, I realized the conversation did what? Just became dull and cold. And as I was preparing this, that particular picture kept coming back to my mind. It kept coming back to my mind. What does, what does it mean to fellowship together? And what happens when the fellowship becomes cold? And usually, it's because of what? Of sin. It also happens. Just do more day-to-day -day relationships. I'm not just talking about a fellowship, a care group. I'm talking about even our fellowship together as believers. We want to know each other. We want to interact with one another. But along the way, maybe we don't understand what does this fellowship look like? And what hinders this fellowship? Let's open our Bibles to 1 John. The verse that was read, the scripture that was read today uh, by Jaffe. 1 John. And we're going to take it up from verse 1 and just simply look through all of these verses. There's 10 of them. And we see what does it mean? What does it mean? How do we evidence Christ in our lives by the way we interact with one another? How is Christ evidenced in us? And I tell you this, the evidence of Christ is us. We are the evidence of Christ. Of course, the writer of 1 John, he's writing, but some of the people he's writing to never believed Christ actually came in his bodily form. This was a doctrine that was being taught then called the Gnostics, who just believed that knowledge is superior over everything. I never believed in the what? In the physical appearance of Christ. And there were several of you, some just simply said, maybe Christ appeared to be present, but he wasn't what? He wasn't present in his bodily, bodily form. And he's saying, we saw him. We're going to see those verses. He's saying, we touched, we saw. He is alive. He is alive. Now what happens if then 
for John, almost 90 AD, there were doubts about Christ. What about today, 2,000 years later? There's definitely doubts about who? About Christ. About Christ. The Muslims will tell you, God does not give birth. He doesn't produce. So Christ cannot be the son of who? Of God. And then for us even here, sometimes once in a while, even as you come to church, as you want to believe the things of the scripture, there's a part of you that can be asking, is it true that he actually exists? Is it true? Is there proof that he did? Because I didn't see. This was passed down from generations. How true is it? And John writes and says, we were there. We were there. So this, how is Christ and God evidenced in our everyday, everyday lives? I think it was Charles Ryrie who said, either we exhibit the sound doctrine, obedience, and love that characterizes all Christians, or else we are not true Christians. Not that we are not Christians, but we are not true what? We are not true Christians. If we don't evidence sound doctrine, obedience, and the love that characterizes all what? Or Christians, and that's what this John is going to be talking about today. We are the evidence that Christ is and how. I think number one is by our testimony. And John gave that very clearly when he says, What was from the beginning, what we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, and what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of what? Of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and do what? And proclaim to you. John is proclaiming and saying this we believe is the word of life. We've seen and he's saying we, maybe he's referring to the twelve and the apostles. He says we've heard him. We saw him. We touched him. We touched him. And this we proclaim to you that this is eternal what? Eternal life. What does that mean? What does that mean? Of course, we know that John died at a very old age. I think he was one of the last disciples to die. And he experienced majority of life here on earth. Maybe more than any of us here will ever get to in terms of number of years. But even that life came to an end. But this bold man is saying, that whom we saw and touched, this is eternal, eternal life. Our time is coming. And I know each one of us here has lost someone somehow in their lives. But we can only hope in eternal, eternal life. And John is saying, this is eternal life. Thank you for listening to 10 Minutes in the Field. To support the ministry of Word of Life in Rwanda, visit www.give.wol.org slash location slash Rwanda. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.